Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Let's dive right into our uh, topic today. We're going to go to the scripture found in James chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to them? James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. This is our series, Doing Life Together. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I want to just, we're going to come back to this scripture in a moment, but I want to go, can we go to verse 5? Because in verse 5 here it says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Now, who here does that not include? All of us? If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. I need to pause there just for a second. In other words, he is not bringing discrimination to whom he will answer prayers. It says he is generous without finding fault and will give to you. So there is a guarantee there. But, here it is. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave blown by, tossed by the sea back and forth. The call that we're bringing today is how do we then ask in such a way and what does it mean when we ask to receive without doubting? The series that we were on is springboarding off of the principle prayer is an exercise prayer is exercising our earthly license to call on heavenly interference. Prayer is my place to call on heaven to interfere with what's going on. Now, uh, the Lord's Prayer. We had started back a few weeks ago, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, hallowed adoration. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So we are recognizing that there's an upper story. We're recognizing there's a lower story. And that we live in the lower story is what we could see, taste, touch, feel. But there's an upper story. We fight not against principalities, against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's an upper story. So when we pray, we are reaching into the the privileged place of the upper story to God. And we're asking him, we're giving him not just permission, but we're giving him, if you would, we're giving him that rightful place that he can come and speak into and change our circumstances in our lower story. And so we talked about 11 hindrances. First one was sin, the last one was stinginess. Invite you to go back if you haven't heard them. Then we, last week we talked of the prayer that when we actually begin to pray and we used an acronym, ACT, 
acts because acts means it's a short form for action. So we need to engage in action. A, remember what A was? Adoration. C, confession. T, thanksgiving. And S, supplication. Supplication is often what we think of when we think of prayer. We want a petition. We want to ask. We have some requests. So I'm going to sit on this today. This is the last of these six that we're talking about here. And this might be, it might be maybe the one of the most important ones. When we talk, I'm going to give six principles of supplication. Now, I invite you to do something, unless you have a photographic memory, I don't. I find in times like this, it's really good. Grab a piece of paper, write these down. Because, you know, we get to the end, we're going, shoot, you know, I should have, I should have written that down. So if we think about it at the beginning, it gives us an opportunity. So if you want to do that, by all means, six principles. And I think these are very key. I think you're going to learn something. Number one, make your requests specific. It's really easy to say in prayer, God, I pray for this and just let your will be done. We do want God's will be done. But in the Lord's Prayer where he says, uh, uh, in heaven, hallowed be the name, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is what we're talking about today. It's not enough just to say, God, what you're, it's like a throwing up a Hail Mary. Hey, Hail Mary, God, you just do whatever you want to do. You're sovereign. And he is. But he won't. Because he's told us that there are prayers that will be answered and there are prayers that will not be answered. Considering we've already dealt with the hindrances. Your prayers require something specific. Now, I'm going to prove that to you. Sometimes, when we pray, we are treating God just as a celestial buddy. Uh, he is our dad. He's our Abba Father. There's truth that he enters into a friendship, a relationship with you. But he will always be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He will all be Master Supreme. He will all be, always be the great judge. He will always be that. He will always be Almighty God. So when we go before him in prayer, that must be central in our minds and our hearts. Prayer is intentional communication. And you need to look at prayer like the judicial system where a lawyer goes to court and he pleads the case. He will go before a judge and jury and before he gets there, the lawyer will research his case. He will research what is it he is going to ask, and he is going to ask in a certain way. Why? Because it's a legal proceeding. He will ask according to the law. He, he will ask according to precedence. Now, when we go into the upper story, when we pray, this is a legal position. We are basically, remember, we are declaring God's will. So we are taking his will, and we're speaking that will. We're, de we're bringing the case of his will before our supreme God. He's asked us to do this. And so, for instance, let me use an illustration. If you want peace, you're filled with anxiety, maybe fear, and you're just praying, God, I need peace, then appeal to him as the Jehovah Shalom. We sang of it a moment ago. He is our peace. Now, you don't have to say Jehovah Shalom, but you need to know he is the Jehovah Shalom, and you need to know that that is scriptural. 
if you have the text of where that is, that's good as well. What you're doing is you are bringing your appeal based on the specific will of God. He is Jehovah the peace. And so therefore, I plead based on his name. That's why God gives us so many names. He describes himself through his names. His names, through his word, helps us to understand what his will is. It's up to you and I to understand that. If you were to go into a courtroom and the judge's up there, the judge already has, he understands law. Chances are he was a lawyer for years. You can't just go in and say, hey, judge, just whatever your will is, just let it happen. No, it's not up to the judge to determine that. It's up to the lower court to bring to him the evidence, and then he will give just judgment. That's yours in my case. That is the place of supplication. When we ask, we're not simply begging, but we are bringing a case before our king, our great king. Uh, another illustration, if you uh, want him to provide for something, there is something that you need provision for, then approach him as the Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And so as my provider, according to your word, I now bring this request of provision before you. That is bringing the request before your judge. If you need healing, then appeal to the Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. One way you can do this is by writing your prayer request, maybe on a page, write them on one side of the page, and then on the other side, present your case. Search the scriptures. Look up those words in the scriptures. Find what God has to say about that in the scriptures. It is a marvelous study. It's a lifetime study, but that is your and my job. So when people say, hey, we just don't see answers to prayers, I'm going to challenge. How have you been praying? Because there is a way to approach the throne. And he has given us this access to approach the throne in this way. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, note this part, according to his will. It's not just because you ask anything. It's because you asked it according to his will. If you ask it according to his will, and if we know that he hears us, might I say, if we know that it is his will, whatever we ask, we know that we, that what we have asked of him, we know that we have what we ask of him. Now you're saying, well, how do I get that information? Well, here's one way. Start here. Go to Navigators. Google it on your computer. Type in praying the names and attributes of God. And it'll give you a very big list of a bunch of names and the characters of God. Reading the scriptures, Old and New Testament, defines his will. And then you apply his will to your case. Secure or make your specific requests. Make them specific. That is so important. A lot of people don't do that. I invite you to do that. Secondly, secure the promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Do you like that? Already the promises are in place. They're ready to be received, but they need to be spoken by us. Again, prayer is giving heavenly, giving earthly license for heavenly interference. It's a legal matter. 
You ever thought it strange when you've been reading through the Gospels, when Jesus was coming in contact with people with physical afflictions, he never assumed what they needed, even though it would appear obvious. Give an illustration. The story in Mark chapter 10, verse 47, is the story of blind Bartimaeus. Jesus was walking along the streets, and blind Bartimaeus uh, was blind, and he needed a healing. He would have had a beggar's robe on. He needed a healing. He was begging for some money for provision. Now, you would think that, you know, somebody kind of, you know, going like this and with the beggar's robe and everything, you, you'd think, Jesus, why didn't Jesus just say, hey, hey, I see you're blind. Um, I'm going to heal you. Never once do you see Jesus step into a miracle like that. Instead, Jesus asks him, what is it you want? He needed to say it. Now, here's the key. Bartimaeus was healed in that story. If you read it, it's an amazing story. He's healed. So you have to wonder when Jesus asked the question, what is it you want? What was the right answer? What did Bartimaeus say that caused the healing to come forth? Here's what he said. Son of David. He would say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now he recognized Jesus, salvation, the word, son of David, have mercy on me, praying for God's mercy. But I really want to focus on the middle part. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's what Barnabas said back to Jesus. Often this is missed, but I don't think we missed it though, did we? Son of David is a legal statement. Son of David, what he said, Jesus, son of David, if Jesus is the Messiah and has the power to heal, he has to be of the line of the Messiah, which means the line has to be traced back, biblically, according to the will of God, has to be traced back to David because it was prophesied from David's line, the Messiah would come. And if it's from this line of David, it likewise can also, has to, it can be traced right on back to Abraham. So from Abraham, the time of Abraham, God gave a covenant to Abraham through his lineage right up to Jesus that healing was provided in the covenant. Healing is already atoned for. So when this blind Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David, he appealed to the lineage of Christ. It was a legal appeal. He says, you have the authority to heal me because you are the Messiah. And Jesus would return to him and respond to him and says, your faith has healed you. Now, where was his faith? His faith was linked directly to the promise of the scripture. I come back to the point we're making here. Secure the promises. So first of all, make your request specific. Just don't say the will of God. Secondly, then secure those promises according to who he is. Let's give another illustration. Luke chapter 13, it's a story of a woman with back problems. Jesus would heal her. It would bring the wrath of the religious leaders of the time because how dare he heal on the Sabbath. But I want to pick up Jesus' response to them. Let's do it. Luke 13, 16, here it is. Then should not this woman, note the next part. What does it say? A daughter of Abraham. Should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound, he note, Jesus gives recognition, the battle is in the upper story. Satan has bound her. 18 long years. Be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her. Note that part, a daughter of Abraham. Now, Deuteronomy 7, 15. 
It says the Lord will keep you free from every disease. A scripture given to Abraham. In other words, he is a healer. A covenant promise through the lineage of Abraham. Supplication. Make your request specific. Secure the promises. And thirdly, plead the case. Now, pleading the case doesn't mean beg your case. It's not the pleading. It doesn't say, please, please, please. That's not what it means. It's not groveling. You don't have to grovel. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. You don't have to grovel. No, pleading the case, again, is a judicial term. Luke 18 tells the story of Jesus talking to his disciples about the unmerciful judge. Jesus uses a worst-case scenario in this story. He uses a story that is far removed. This judge had no emotions. He was uh, a mean man. Okay? He, Jesus uses, so he uses an extreme story. Jesus is not an unmerciful judge. We know that. If we have any question about that, then we need to revisit salvation story of the cross, of how God sent his only son on behalf of me, because he loved me. No, he's not unmerciful. But Jesus uses a picture of an unmerciful judge to describe that your answers to prayer is not because you appeal to his emotions. It has nothing to do with his emotions. So he uses the unmerciful judge. And so, in other words, when you, when you pray, you don't have to say, God, if you like me. God, if you love me. Or you need to answer because you love me. You don't have to pray that because he already proved it 2,000 years ago. He loves you. So it's not all the words when you go into prayer. The reason the widow went to the judge had merely to do with the fact that only he could reverse her situation. It was him and him alone was the reason she went. She did not go to beg. She did not go to grovel. She did not go with emotions. It wasn't the emotions that got her the answer. She went because he alone could reverse it. And the story unfolds. It took a long time. And Jesus states that. We can't predict when it will happen. So we need to be patient. That's the persistent aspect of it. She didn't quit. She stayed with it knowing she had a solid legal position. And then we pick it up in Luke 18, verse 4. Let's read it. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets, did you see it there? She gets justice. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> he, okay. He was worrying because he was saying, listen, I don't, I don't care for this situation. I don't like her. Jesus, again, is not using the story about himself because he, we know he loves us. He's using the story you don't get because of just his love. You get it because of this word right here, justice. He is the just judge. When she went before him, she knew her case was solid, and only he could reverse it, and so she stayed there. She stayed there. Now, isn't this amazing that when we go before God, this is the point where pleading the case, when we go before him, we need to stay with it based on the solid case that we have before our Lord. We're not trying to convince him. We're simply stating what his plan, what his will already is. Too often we pray, but we don't believe until after the answer comes. 
Faith, on the other hand, believes our legal position is secured through Christ. Not because he likes us, not because he loves us, but because on our case, we've brought a legal case before him. Make your request specific. Secure the promise. Plead the case. Fourthly, believe. Asking isn't enough. You say, well, there's belief just in asking. Yes, it's the first step, but it's not enough. Mark 11, 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, note these words, that you, that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, pick up those words, that you have received it. Note the word received has an ED at the end. It's already yours. You need to believe as it's already been provided. It's possible to ask God for something in prayer and not believe. We do it all the time, and the evidence often is we give up too soon. But instead, verse 24, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. You've received it. Illustration, Daniel chapter 9. He's believing. And in his prayer, you pick up as he prayed a prayer request, he prayed as if he had received it, and yet it would take days for it to come. That's the faith he is saying. Pray with that faith. Believe. James 1, verse 5. This is our original text earlier. I jump right in at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Here it is, verse 6 again. But when you ask, you must believe, not doubt. Believe you receive. If it's his will, then you put your faith in him. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Number five, give thanks. In supplication, don't forget to give thanks. This actually is, again, the first letter, third letter of our acronym, A-C-T-S, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the highest form of faith and believing, by giving thanks. So we ask with thanksgiving, having received. Suppose you went to your banker asking for money to be transferred into your account. He states he did it. Now, did you actually see him take a wad of money and put it in there? He just punched a bunch of keys. No, he tapped on a bunch of keys and it went in. You thank him, but you haven't seen it. You haven't picked it up. You haven't counted everyone, but you still thank the banker because you have faith he made the transition. Hebrews 1, 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? is telling us that God is sending angels, hordes of angels, ministering to the needs of his people. You need to trust that as you would your banker when you say, would you transfer this into this account? And then you say, thank you. Thanksgiving is an act of faith. I've received it. Even though I haven't touched it, counted it, I've received it. And then number six, now live in expectation. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. 
Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I want you to see in this particular text, it says here, we go, ask, and it will be given. That's positional. That's what we've been talking about up to this point in time. We go before him, we plead our case. This is the case, according to his will. Because it's according to his word. It's according to the name of God, according to his will. But having done that, we're not done. Seek, and you will find. Second part to it. So when we bring our supplication before him, so let me give an illustration here. Someone tells you they're praying for a job. There's the request. And you ask them, well, how's it going? And they say, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. He's going to give me my job. I'm waiting for the phone to ring. No. What we need to do is to remind them, seek, and you will find. There's a part that we play. You need to seek. You need to pursue. You need to look for. You need to send out your applications. You need to go everywhere in any which way. You need to seek. You've already asked positional. So you're right. But now seek. You need to do your part. And in having done your part, then when opportunities begin to come, we go to the last part where it says knock. And that is whatever the final obstacle, and typically it's a spiritual obstacle, usually, not always, then you knock and the door will be open to you. It says that to everyone who asks, receives, positionally, the one who seeks, finds, the one who knocks, the door will, didn't say when, the door will be opened. The door will be opened to you. Live in expectation. Make arrangements for the answers to those prayers. So let me just conclude. Let's bring the six up again. Here they are. Make your requests specific. Secure the promises. Plead the case. Believe. Give thanks. Live in expectation. God is a generous God. Remember that. He's not a God who withholds. He's generous. He desires to be there to answer prayer. And he partners with you and I to do so. I have placed on our website under Straight Talk uh, of the blog, uh, the podcast in podcast form, the spiritual warfare of we can exercise the power of his name, the power of his word, the power of the blood it's our position that we have taken on. He's covered us with divine blood. Launch through prayer. That's what we've been talking. This is through prayer. But everything that we've talked regarding these battles can be launched through proclamation, which is preaching. I'm actually releasing it right now when I, when I speak today. Faith is being released. It's also sent forth through praise and worship. Praise and worship is not a precursor to the great message. Praise and worship is not a warm-up to something. Praise and worship has power all in itself. Study the scriptures, especially in Psalms, of how many times praise and worship was, was key to a victory. And then we also see the power of your testimony. We're going to have that next week when we share on Valentine's Day, the power of the testimony to break some chains. God is a gracious and wonderful God who desires to meet our needs, to answer prayer. 
He's the same yesterday. Come on, finish it today. And he will be tomorrow too. Let me pray with you. And then we're going to go into our breakout rooms. So Father, we just commit these things. Lord, we don't ask you to line up your will with ours. We need to line up our will with yours. And as we approach you, I pray for every man, woman, teenager, and child watching this morning or whenever this is being watched or listened to. Oh God, help us to exercise the judicial legal positioning that we go before you, not as a reluctant or unmerciful judge, but as one who longs for us to present the case according to your will, according to your name, according to your word, that, Lord, we believe as having received it with expectation, with a spirit and heart of thanksgiving, we bless and honor your name. God, I pray that you would um, raise up men and women, warriors of faith and prayer, because, God, there's so much to pray for. <laughs> there's so much we need to see happen. And so, Lord, we come in alignment with your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca